there and welcome to episode 27 of the Night Gallery Podcast. My name's Chris Brown. Today we're going to be talking about Since Aunt Ada Came to Stay. It is the uh, first story from episode 3 of season 2. It is uh, a script written by Alvin Sapinsley and is uh, actually based on a short story called The Witch by A.E. Van Vaught. It is uh, directed by William Hale, and it's the last thing he directed for Night Gallery. It's uh, a 30-minute episode, but um, I'll be honest with you, it's a simple tale. So my guess is it won't take that long to tell. After all, this is a type of story which hinges on only one character. For those of you who've never met me, you might call me the undernourished Alfred Hitchcock. The great British craftsman and I do share something in common. An interest in the oddball. A predilection toward the bizarre. And this place is nothing if it isn't bizarre. By virtue of the paintings you see hanging around me. This item here is called Since Anne Ada Came to Stay. And Anne Ada is a most memorable character. You may not like her, but I seriously doubt if you'll ever forget her. Be thankful you've met her only in the Night Gallery. Straight off the bat, what a fantastic intro from uh, Rod Serling there. But also, I think it's important to uh, to, to, to reiterate, to, to explain what I said before. Although this is, a, I said it was a story about one character, it is and it isn't. It's, me, it's about how one person can completely destroy something. Um, our, our Aunt Ada, certainly, as, as Serling said, somebody you personally wouldn't want to meet. Our story is really, it starts with a man called Craig Lowell. Now, he's a professor of logic and scientific method. And he's increasingly getting annoyed because of his visiting wife's aunt, of the Aunt Ada of the title. She is driving him crazy. She's like a parasite, constantly there, constantly niggling, and doesn't actually seem to be um, wanting to leave. And she also seems to be quite an odd character as well. Um, She has an element of menace about her, and also some very unusual quirks. For example, she is genuinely fearful of Craig's green carnations, a flower he prizes and wears every day to work. And, well, she seems to be kind of getting in the way, really, of his relationship with his wife, who's played by Michelle Lee. And uh, Aunt Ada, who obviously points out is played by Jeanette Nolan rather brilliantly, is, um, well, she's strange as well. She keeps on feeding uh, Craig's wife um, unusual potions and odd drinks. She's quite a naturalist in terms of her uh, her choice of, uh, of what to have. So he picks, so, so Craig's a bit suspicious about what he's feeding his wife and decides to pick some and give some to his friend who is a, a university expert in uh, folklore and tradition who can test it out for him uh, that man is played by um, Jonathan Harris who I mentioned simply because you'll recognise him from Lost in Space and much if you're anything like me you probably look at him click your fingers and go you know who he is but you can't quite put, put your finger on it but anyway um, 
he uh, he goes and he gets pointed out to him that basically this sample, this weed, this unusual herb he's been given, isn't anything really to worry about. It's just some uh, seaweed. Um, but, you know, it does have some interesting connotations, as pointed out to him as well, that um, this weed, this, um, this plant, can be used by an aging witch to uh, take over, to possess permanently the body of a young woman and many witches apparently have done this to survive over the years and continue on effectively to keep their soul going in in this realm for another generation oh my yes hydrodendron borrelia yes indeed by all means virulent my boy potent dangerous handle with care that's what you do with witches' weed. What I do? What are witches supposed to do with it? Granting their existence, of course, which I don't happen to do. Very few people do, my boy, during the day. But the tolling of the midnight bell makes believers out of many. Which is your subject again, Mr. Lowell? Logic and scientific method. Of course. And you find it hard to fit the pentacle of Beelzebub into the Aristotelian square of opposition. In time, though, young man, in time. Yes, quite. In the meantime, Professor, this so-called witch's weed. Ah, yes. You see, the weed is employed by the aging witch who has used up her present body to facilitate her entry into and assumption of the new young body that she has chosen for herself. Excuse me. That is how they perpetuate themselves. During the twelve strokes of midnight at the first full moon following the autumn equinox. And uh, Craig's suspicions grow quite considerably after this kind of chat. Um, He starts to look into the woman, Ada. Ada Quigley, her her full name is. uh, And and manages to dig up some rather alarming truths. That, um, That Ada was apparently buried six months earlier. And the woman, who to be fair he hadn't met before until... She came to stay, can't possibly be this uh, his wife's relative. Craig uh, gets freaked out, understandably, and angry, and confronts the woman. Uh, tries to find out exactly who she is, and at this point, Ada uh, quite quickly and uh, quite aggressively, and probably because she knows where she stands, drops the act and just basically shows her power, is able to make herself appear in the room four or five times, all at the same time, and move towards him, and insist, demands that he he, he tries to do something, so she can show exactly how great her power actually is. And with that, Craig is terrified and completely powerless to do anything at all, but it's more than just that. He can't actually just go up to his wife and say, listen what, you know your Aunt Ada, who you definitely think is your Aunt Ada, she's actually dead. And not only that, but the woman over there who keeps on drinking, feeding you tea and seems very nice to you is basically some psychopathic witch who wants your body. How do you know this? Um, I did a bit of digging. It wouldn't go down well and it, I bet she thinks she, he was mad. To be honest with you, at worst, I have no idea. But, um, so it, 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 he's, in a, he's in a quandary. He's in an absolute quandary. But there's, um, 
there's more there's more to come unfortunately for our man Craig he knows Ada tells both of them and lets slip that not to worry she's going anyway in a few days and she'll be gone and no doubt they won't see her again and then all these thoughts in the back of Craig's mind come back to the fore that you know he's got a, he's got a, a ticking clock now. Only a few days to to happen before Ada tries to actually do Ada. Not even Ada is this witch, this unknown, unnamed witch who's able to multiply it into massive forms, numerous forms in his own kitchen. Wants to uh, take over the body of his wife, a woman he can't actually warn because she wouldn't believe. Then there's, um, well, there's another problem as well. He decides basically the best way to deal with this is to, unsurprisingly, um, just hang around his wife. He, she, she can't try that much on if he's always there. She can't, he can't feed her this tea of seaweed or, or it gives too much grief if he's about. So, in a, uh, in a, in a cynical way, and also to isolate him, basically his... His friend, who'd helped him out, dies of a swell. Dies is massively incapacitated by a stroke, who, which Craig believes is a part of her ruse to try and get the body of his wife, and also basically to remove the help from him. And also, she makes it so he has to do a night class on the night she plans to take the body, and there's nothing he can do about it to stop it. This leads to. Um, him basically taking him, taking her with him for the um, for this journey, for this this, uh, this lecture, and um, yeah, I mean, he basically thinks that uh, it's going to be okay, but he gets distracted and she leaves. Now we're really into spoiler territory now. Uh, I know if you listen to the show regularly, I always go into spoiler territory, but you know. Forgive me, I'm going to go into it once again. It's good to, you know, see this the podcast more as a commentary and a review, an overall review, but it's always a spoiler-heavy one. It's something to watch, to listen to after you've, uh, after you've seen the episode, not before, really. Anyway, he, um, he races back dramatically to his home, and um, he finds an unconscious wife. He finds numerous versions of Ada, like seven or eight of them, maybe as many as twelve, fill in the kitchen and her chanting um, evil witchy kind of uh, spells to complete her complete her journey to to, to make the uh, the spell work so basically what happens is he remembers what his friend tells him and base and the story takes the kind of a, a rather more obvious turn, shall we say, in terms of how he can solve his problems. Set 
So, yeah, I mean, basically, he remembers he's got this reincarnation, and he throws it at the witch, and she becomes burst into flames in a dramatic finale. Um, his wife gradually wakes up, and then we, we flick basic after you know, a romantic embrace uh, to say everything's all right with the world. We click to the, to, to the, in the next day, and he is uh, getting in his car and getting ready to um, drive her, drive to work, as he always does. And he realises that his wife hasn't picked a flower for him that day like she normally does. And not only that, but um, she completely voids all the flowers together. And slowly, in the back of his mind, Craig realises that maybe he wasn't as successful in frosting Aunt Ada's initial plans. And maybe his wife is no longer the woman he married so it's quite a nice story I mean you know that's that's our tale it's a good opener for us for an episode I think um, there are problems with it and uh, there's some great things as well so let's start off with the script um, it was taken from as I said earlier on The Witch by Eve Van Vaught and um, basically that was quite a trippy tale it's, it's uh, I'm going to see if I can get hold of a link to, to put on the webpage for you uh, see what we can do but that story is uh, a bit different to this um, basically this simplifies it which is good but it also adds this kind of hollow rather silly I can solve the day with my magic flower kind of trope at the end of the story which doesn't work so well it also struggles with some contrivances to say the least um, I've seen people call them plot holes but they aren't really plot holes they just don't really work as a way to create dramatic tension particularly near the end you've got Craig there and you've got his wife uh, uh, jo- uh, Joanna and they are basically well he's trying to teach this um, this night class and this is a night class that goes on so, on so late he has to travel back and get home just before midnight. Now I don't know if if you've done much adult education, but my, I, I, last time I checked, it didn't finish well after eleven at night. Nor, and I know he's the kind of blatant the kind of man who gets wrapped up in what's happening around him and his teaching. He doesn't notice the fact that his wife manages to just get up and leave. He doesn't even hear the door open or close, which is right by him. He's too busy writing on the blackboards, which probably seemed all right when it was written, um, because you know the, the writer probably had uh, the writer Alvin Sapinsley uh, probably had a very specific idea of a massive, huge lecture theatre. But uh, William Hale doesn't actually uh, film it like that. He films it like a classroom, literally a classroom. Uh, which, you know, again, makes you kind of wonder, well, how did he miss that? How did he not see what was going on? Um, some of the, the you know, it, well, you know, I was looking through um, Rod Serling's uh, Night Gallery and After Hours tour book, which is the Scott Skelton Jim Benson, which is effectively the definitive uh, Night Gallery book. Um, there isn't a lot of text written about it apart from this book. Uh, I know Twilight Zone's got loads uh, and they kind of say that they think the story struggles. They think the story struggles because, I mean, they've got high praise for it. They give it a high mark on their on their reviews. But they think the story struggles mainly because um, how good, in actual fact, uh, Jeanette Nolan is. 
they think that her um, her witch is uh, too witchy almost. She's too good. She looks too menacing. And like the script should have gradually um, introduced the idea. And I think that would have been a very night gallery-esque thing, you know, the, the evil like that's already in the home and something slowly becomes bad. And there was definitely time in the story for that to have developed in the 30 minutes it gets given. But what I would say is, this kind of, um, the way it's, it's done in the, in the directing and, and particularly with Nolan, it is excellent in actual fact. Not because, um, you know, it's an understandable role, it's not. Basically, it's it, it's an, it's a home invasion story. We have a we have a witch that's in the house who's malevolent, wants to attack, eager in fact to to get her uh, her goal and and wants to um, wants this this woman's body and us and to destroy her soul. And um, you know that pretty much from the get go. And that makes these confrontations as things escalate, as you realise that possibly. Craig isn't going to get away with this. He's a massive trouble here. He seems he struggles to 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 between two things. He struggles between his fear that his suspicions are right, but another more obvious fact that he isn't going to be able to persuade his wife of this knowledge. He's constantly terrified that his his wife is going to um, who's just think he's mad, and he's got actually no control in his own home because of this woman and this witch she's not even a woman she's a <laughs> she's some kind of supernatural entity one able to dominate all proceedings and all proceedings in a way that he has no power over and that's a scary thought that i mean you know that's a scary idea and nolan Jeanette nolan plays it really really well um, Jonathan Harris, who plays um, the uh, the lecturer who's made to get a stroke, a uh, guy from Lost in Space, um, he's okay. I think he, he gets quite a bit of flack, uh, and I think that's possibly because we almost imagine that he's going to be some kind of overly aggressive, well, yeah, like campy figure, and I think that's possibly, you know, what's from the generation he's from a little bit, he's quite stagey. He's also um, quite, you know, well, he's, he's tarnished by the Lost and uh, Space Brush. You imagine him to be the camp baddie. And he appears in this as kind of like this, the knowledgeable, quite doddery, whimsical friend, you know. The kind of guy you, you go and you go, the go-to guy about seaweed, for example. And I think he struggles with that role a little bit. But I think he does it well enough. I think, you know, it, it fits fine. I mean, to be honest with you, if you're going to talk about the fact it's silly... You know, the clip I played with him kind of go, you know, explaining what to do with the flower. I mean, that's a floating head in space. And I know it's meant to be in his mind that he's meant to be just imagining this, but it's like he's coming out from beyond the grave. It's, it's, it, you know, it, that's, that, that's more of a problem I've got with it. Um, the special effects, um, and there are a few good effect shots in it, uh, were done, well, I mean, the, the, basically by, um, well, it was done by Larry Lester, um, who managed to do lots of like lots of the technical stuff in terms of unusual dissolve, so Ada can disappear. And it's done with lights and colours. It's quite psychedelic. It's quite experimental, I suppose, in a way. Um, and much like a lot of this stuff, they're given the opportunity to try to try and do something a bit different, you know. 
for example, um, Hale, William Hale, the director, managed to achieve an impressive effect using two different lenses on the same camera. So two people could be far away, but also in focus at the same time, which kind of gave it a... Uh, made it feel a bit... Un- it does feel quite otherworldly. Like, Ada is there, but not quite real. And it really adds to the story. It really gives it a real impact, real touch. I really enjoy that, so it's excellent, actually. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, those kind of... The special effects, I would say... With the exception of that visual effect, um, you know, the the Ada is a black cloak leaping up in the air and stuff like that. It's okay. It feels dated, um, in truth. Um, feels a little bit, you know, it feels a bit 70s. But uh, at the same time, you know, some good effort. And uh, although it's not always successful, these effects, they, um, they show, you know, that you can do something with a low budget and uh, make it interesting rather than just make it cheap. Um, you know, it's of its time, but it's, it's you know, it's an entertain. Some of the tricks are quite entertaining. Um, the color effects less so, but certainly when there's seven aiders in the room, it, it works okay. It works really good. Could have been done with you know different actors popping up everywhere. Would have looked a bit, you know, bit. I would say a bit cheesy in truth. You know, it's an, you know, you know, this is a trick. But then again, some, you know, it's meant to be magic, and yeah, I thought it worked okay. Um, you know, interestingly, for Hale, it's the probably the budget that. Um, that really did them in. Not in terms of what he could achieve with the money he had or the time he had, but more what he he had to achieve in terms of... Well, he didn't work on Night Gallery again. Uh, he didn't work on Night Gallery again because he committed the uh, the cardinal sin, which we've mentioned a few times before, and Spielberg, Spielberg was guilty of this one. He overran. He overran. He was 10 hours over uh, on a four-day shoot. Uh, wait till four in the morning. Basically, the story is, I mean, the quote is just insane. Laird, again, I've mentioned this before, doesn't like confrontation, but he does like being in charge. So what he does is he fa- he sacks Hale and doesn't tell him. Doesn't tell him. Hale tells a story that, um, and he says it with a fair bit of venom. I would say that's probably fair. Even though, well, well, I'll explain in a sec. This is the quote that's in the After Hours tour. Jack didn't have the guts to tell me I was fired. I showed up on the lot and they started talking to Kaylee and the crew about the next show I was going to do. And they all looked at me like I was nuts. I was running around making plans and finally about noon, the production manager said, Look, don't you know you don't work here anymore? I felt like a bloody idiot. So again, like that's Laird basically exerting his control, but not be having the willingness to fall, to follow through. And this is an issue that we uh, we arrive again and again with Sailing. He didn't return Sailing's calls. There were, there were fights, there were arguments over script. Um, I mean, I'm waiting uh, for well, it's going to be a couple of months before we ha- and we talk about the one Sailing script that's massively rewritten. When when we hit it, we'll go through it, and I'll go through the entire thing properly. In terms of what the sale and laid rivalry, I think that's probably best because that's the best highlight of it. This didn't happen all the time, of course. They weren't rewritten all the time. The stories, but they didn't get on. And um, in the end, as I've said before, Salem just didn't retain his calls. And this is again another example of how this could happen: the way Laird reacted to certain people that he felt let him down. In terms of the Hale and Laird um, 
disagreement. They managed to pass it up. Laird would show runner on Kojak after this, and uh, Hale would uh, get some more would you know would would get work on those projects. And fair play to them as well for that. Uh, you know, it's a big it would take a bigger man than me to be able to uh, work with somebody who'd done that to me. Okay, usual housekeeping. Um, I'm not going to direct you towards the website. Um, not this week, anyway. Uh, the reason for that is we haven't updated and we're not going to update. The, well, we're not going to update DimensionXRadio.com anymore. Uh, very simple reason why. It's because we're going to have a new website with new artwork. Uh, it's going to mean I have a more hands-on role in terms of some of the writing contents. Uh, God help you. <laughs> Only messing. But, um, you know, once once we're all set up and uh, Tom's kind of finalising stuff at the moment, uh, I've seen a lot of what he's doing. It looks great. It looks so good. Um, it's like night and day between Dimension X Radio and what we've got now. Um, it's going to look really cool. Uh, and I hope you're going to really enjoy it, actually. Um, there's, yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to give, the, as I said, I'm not going to give the web address out for that. I'm merely going to tease. But um, if you go to our Facebook page, uh, which there is a link to on the old website, on dimensionxradio.com, or if you go to Facebook and type in Twilight Zone Network, you might well see um, some of the new artwork that we're going to be using, which has been done by, uh, uh, well, it's, it's Dark Ink One uh, on Twitter. Uh, and he's done some just fantastic stuff. I mean, just so beautiful. The um, there's an item we've got for suspense, which is just fantastic. If you follow me on Twitter, I was tweeting about it on Friday night. Uh, just so pleased with the stuff he's been doing. If you're listening, cheers, mate. Thank you so much. Um, I dare you more than a pint for that. Um, yeah, so it's going to be fantastic. I'm going to stop confusing about that, though, because you'll be able to see it soon enough. It's not going to be longer. And if you've listened to this, you know, in the future, you'll you'll be wondering what I'm talking about. We've been, and we've been online for ages. If you want to get hold of me and I mention me Twitter feed, you can do. It's at orange underscore monkey. Um, yeah, I, I tweet a lot of Twilight Zone stuff, but I also tweet stuff that I'm interested in because it's my private Twitter account. But if you want to come and say hello and have a chat with me, just at me. I'll, I'll you know, I'll like you back and we'll have a little chat about the stuff I'm doing and what, what we've got planned and what you know where I am and stuff. That's really cool if you do. If you want to give any feedback to anything you've heard or if there's anything coming up you want to talk about, uh, for example, apologies to Mr. Hyde or flip side of Satan. But, you know, both stories, well, flip side of Satan's good anyway. Um, and then there's some great stuff coming up as well. Fear of Spiders and, oh, just crackers, absolute crackers. Then, you know, you can email me. You can email me at night gallery. You can email at, yeah, at. It's night gallery at the twilight zone podcast.com. Um, there's, uh, well, yeah, also thanks to, um, to um, Anton01. Uh, who has left a, uh, a very nice review on the US iTunes? Uh, just saying, uh, yeah. I mean, th- thanks a lot for listening. Um, you know, as as I say, uh, it's great that you enjoy the show. Uh, you put up with my ramblings, and uh, hopefully, you. Uh, well, it's nice. I've, you know, I. You know, it's 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 nice that people are enjoying it. It's really good. Um, it just always surprises me how warmly people have reacted to the podcast. Um, even when, you know, there are times when I've, I've said I've not been happy with stuff or, and everyone's always been so warm and welcoming and, 
and great and uh, I met some chats some really great people because of it anyway next week we are dealing with we're dealing with with apologies to Mr Hyde and uh, yeah it's one of the short ones and it's notable it's notable because it was written by Jack Laird and also he's in it so it's doubly rubbish um, but we'll deal with that next week um, it's probably it's going to be a lot shorter than this one again it's a couple of minutes long but we'll get through that and then we've got a fantastic run on the go then we've got Flipside of Satan we've got Fear of Spiders there's well it's Junior but Marmalade Wine fantastic the Academy ah oh, it's just quality pillar to post can't wait to talk to you about it if you've got any feedback on any of those love to receive it email me at nightgallery at twilightzonepodcast.com or have a chat with me on twitter and i'll give you some contact details it'd be great for you to talk to us but uh, until next time or next week speak to you soon take care goodbye